There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. Uh, you know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, you want the clean car. And don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man, where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes. Unlimited clean, shiny, and dry. Unlimited use of exclusive app lane. Unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them. Unlimited guest service. And most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. Happy birthday is in order for one Lance Leipold. How, what a week. Wow. You know, one day you're accepting a position to be the new head coach for the Kansas football team. A few days later, you're turning 57. 57 years young. What's your... Uh, What's your favorite memory so far of the Lance Leipold era? Mm. Probably the fourth question he answered at his press conference. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a really good Does one. Does this change things at all, your thoughts on the hire now that he's 57 as opposed to 56? You know, I always wanted a young, energetic coach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can get it done at 57. It makes you wonder because this is the clearest piece of evidence that he's not getting any younger. Mm. You know, and it makes you kind of wonder... Why does Kansas keep hiring old coaches? Yeah, Les Miles, they, yeah. Lance Leipold, who's I mean, next? Monty Kiffin? Well, they let David Beatty get like second three day in years a row. older on the job. Like, what the heck? Second day in a row, by the way, that I have mentioned Monty Kiffin on the show. <laughs> so, Lance Leipold gets to celebrate turning 57 by spending an hour with Brian Haney. And a couple hundred of his closest oh, friends at Hawk Talk right. tonight. What better gift? Yeah, we got a special Hawk Talk with Brian Haney and Lance Leipold over at uh, Johnny's Tavern coming up at 6 o'clock, which you can hear right here on KLWN. He's not, I'll tell you what, he's not quite electric. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't characterize Lance Leipold as as having an electric personality. But then again, we did characterize Les Miles as like, oh, he's kind of quirky, he's kind of funny. And that bit grew very tiresome (laughs) almost instantly upon his arrival in Lawrence when you're just like, okay, can you say something that I can understand, please? Hey, anything above Charlie Weiss just, you know, being kind of a jerk to everyone. And that's, it's I've come full circle. Like at first, you're like, okay, you've got a jerk head coach, and then you've got a, a super nice head coach in David Beatty, but he's just not very good. And then you got a guy who you just you can't really comprehend what he's saying, that we've landed back at the basic 
type of person, which is he's just a football coach. Yeah. He's not overly nice. He's not overly mean. He's not just a guy, the most eloquent man, but he's certainly not. I mean, he's a good speaker. He's just a guy who can string together sentences and, and sound intelligent about football. And that's like the bare minimum of being a football coach. But that's all I desire. I don't need the bells and whistles. I don't need the trinkets. I don't need the glitz. The the champ. All I want is a guy who can sit there and tell me like what his vision is for Kansas football. And Lance Leipold, at least uh, based off his introductory press conference, knocked that out of the park. Last night, Pete Thamel was the first to report that not only are, uh, are Quan Drake and Chevis Jackson at the D-line and the D-backs position returning to the staff next year, but he also reported the big one, right? The white whale, Lance Leipold has snagged Emmett Jones. Emmett Jones returning. We don't know in what role Emmett Jones is going to be returning because it's tough to go from wide receivers coach to interim head coach. Okay, we're going to put you back at wide receivers coach. With the spring that he had and all the players coming out and vocally supporting him as the head coach. Because it's one thing, I know people always say this. People always say, oh, they always support the interim head coach. The players always come out and say, we want this to be the guy. That is the case if the interim head coach was actually the coach for any games. And he wasn't. Emmett Jones wasn't the coach for any games. He was the coach for like a couple of spring practices and the spring game. And I get it. Yeah, he's still their guy. And he was still the number one recruiter. I understand that they would support him. He's a popular guy in that locker room. But I'd imagine Emmett Jones had quite a bit of leverage. Like, what do you think that meeting was like with Lance Leipold talking to Emmett Jones? And I'm not at all trying to paint Emmett Jones as like a bad guy. But like, if you wanted to pull some leverage and flex a little bit, you probably had some to say like, hey, uh, this team rallied around me. And if I leave... You can probably guess that some players will be leaving with me. Like, it's just simple math. And I think we could all admit that. Emmett Jones there, you have a better chance of retaining a higher percentage of players. It's as simple as that. So I'd imagine him coming back is going to come with probably a bump in pay. Yeah. And I'd imagine an elevated title as well. Was he the associate head coach before? Was that somebody else? Because if not... That was Josh Ergel, I believe. Okay, I, I think... Emma Jones should have that role. Like, there's your title upgrade. What is associate head coach even? What is an associate head Honestly, coach? Honestly, it's even probably a little bit like in the office, like the the assistant to the regional manager. I don't get this, too, because I, I remember this. Um, after his first year, he was hired as the wide receivers coach, and then after his first year, he was promoted to passing game coordinator, along with wide receivers coach. What's the dynamic between the passing game coordinator and the offensive coordinator? Like you have to go through the passing game coordinator to to get a passing play? Like I'd, I'd like a pass play, please. Here you he go. Grabs one out of a bag. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's got a he's got a hat. He's got a baseball cap with a bunch of crumpled up pieces of paper, like drawing a number. Okay, here you go. What'd you get? I don't know. But yeah, but what would be the difference? What's an associate head coach? Is it just that you just get to sit in on meetings that you have more input? Probably. It probably also has to do with, you know, if you are in a pinch where you need an interim head coach, like he's the first guy you go to, which I think that would make sense. And then, yeah, I, th- I think it's just kind of, you know, you're you're basically almost like a shadow of the head coach, essentially, in addition to your duties. So I actually, it's a, a, an interesting piece uh, on KUSports.com 
from Shane Jackson who watched this like coaching clinic video from Andy Katelniki, the new uh, presumed to be the new offensive coordinator. He was the OC for Leipold at Buffalo. He was the OC for a couple years at Wisconsin Whitewater before that. So I think we're just kind of guessing here that he's probably going to be the OC as well. But in this coaching clinic that, that Shane sort of wrote about was that Katelniki will ask other members of the offensive coaching staff before the game, like in, in the in the practice that week, like pick 15 games that you would open the play with, the, the game with. 15 plays you would open the game with. And once he asks all the staff members, he sort of group piles it all together and sees how many of those plays ended up on multiple coaches' suggestion lists. And he'll do the same thing with the, the players as well. So clearly it's a guy who wants input from the staff. It's not a closed-door meeting where it's a playbook kept under lock and key and it's just Lance Leipold and Andy Katelniki who are sitting there putting the game plan together. Like, it is a very inclusive process, which in theory sounds good because I'll tell you this much, and I don't, and it doesn't even matter about coaching or whatever line of work you're talking about. People like to be included on things. If you're, if you're talking about members of a team, members of a coaching staff, they like to feel like their voice is being heard. And even if those plays don't get used, like the fact that you're going to these coaches and asking for their input, I think that only breeds good vibes on an offensive staff. And I only bring that up to say that, you know, whether or not you're an associate head coach or passing game coordinator and what exactly that entails, it sounds like this staff is going to be a very open-doored type staff anyway, where everybody's sort of allowed to come in and, and give their two cents and add their input. So maybe it doesn't really matter. Maybe it doesn't matter what his exact title is other than, like, maybe it's just a financial thing. Like, hey, here's how much I appreciate you. Yeah. Because no, the, the, the assistant coaches under Les Miles were not making very much money. We know that to yeah. be a fact. Well, and also you would think that, you know, if you did get the right guy and you believe in him as the new head coach, that winning is going to breed success for everybody else. You know, um, that that applies for players. That applies for coaches. You know, if – Kansas turns this thing around and they're in a bowl game in four years, then I can assure you that some of these coordinators, assistant coaches are going to be getting pretty good looks at other jobs. And like in some of their cases, they already have like uh, Emma Jones was, you know, rumored to be a candidate for when Texas had their receivers coach job open. But um, maybe it's a situation where, you know, if you win, then all of a sudden an offensive coordinator leaves for a head coaching job at a smaller school. And then Emma Jones becomes the offensive coordinator and uh, you can kind of work your way that way. So, uh, yeah, if you believe in the head coach, then maybe it's worth just sticking around, even regardless if you do get a title or, or pay raise. But I, I would think in the case of Emmett Jones, especially, like you have to at least give him something. Yeah, I mean, he's got some leverage because he's very popular and he's very good at what he does. I mean, he's the top recruiter on the staff, at least was. I'd imagine he's still going to be up there. So for a new coach, like that's somebody you absolutely have to retain at all costs. And it looks like that's exactly what Lance Leipold has done. We're going to talk to Scott Chasen of Fog.net and 24-7 Sports coming up here in just a bit. I, I've seen on 247sports.com where they released their final player rankings of the season. KU has a top 10 class, which if you've been paying attention, I guess it wouldn't be surprising if you're just looking at the names and the stars and the rankings next to them. It would be because the top player, according to recruiting rankings in this class, is Zach Clements, who isn't even a top 40 guy. So how does some uh, a class that doesn't have any top 40 guys end up top 10? Well, it's accumulation. You've got a lot of dudes. You've got a handful and the the prized recruit of the class may not even be 
a high school kid. A kid. I, I think Joe Yesifu, of everybody who is joining the team next year, is probably going to have the biggest impact because he's the guy I look at and say, probably slot him in to a starting job. Now, KU still has one scholarship remaining. I know Ty Ty Washington's still out there, but there is a lot more chatter linking him to Kentucky as of late. And that's been the case for a couple of weeks, but I mean, just in the past 24 hours, the crystal ball that 24-7 sports use where people go on and predict where they think a kid's going to go. Um, there have been a handful of experts who have logged their crystal ball pick as Kentucky. So maybe hope is waning on the Ty Ty Washington front. I still think KU wants to go out and add a point guard. Uh, Severe Wheeler, I believe I'm pronouncing that name correctly, from Georgia, is still a name out there. Don't love that one. You don't love him? No. Well, I don't. I know I don't love him personally either. Um, I'm sure he's a good kid. Uh, the thing is with Severe Wheeler, like if you look at the stats, I'll, I'll be honest. Like I've I did not watch a single Georgia game last year. You know, because why would you? Mm-hmm. Unless you're like super into that. I don't know. Um, stats don't love the efficiency, right? Like, if you just look and say, what do you mean you don't want him? He averaged 17 points and 7 assists per game. He'd be a perfect fifth <laughs> point guard. But if you do a little more digging there, it's almost like they're just totals that are raised by being on a bad team. You had to carry them, and you played a lot of minutes. He shot under 40% from the field. It's 39%. He shot 23 or 22% from three on three attempts per game. So it's not like he just only took 10 attempts and went, like, 2 of 10 or something. I mean, just couldn't shoot. And, yes, he averaged seven assists per game. He also averaged four and a half turnovers per game. So here's my issue. And he's also a shorter guard. So it's not like you'd be able to say, oh, but he's 6'3", 6'4". You can play him next to this guy. Does everything that I just described there, a small point guard who can't shoot, who is a good passer, but he turns the ball over. Okay. Is there anything different there than Dewan Harris? Except Dewan Harris doesn't turn the ball over, and Dewan Harris is a good defender. Well, if you got one scholarship and nobody else wants it, would you rather have one Dewan Harris or two Dewan Harris's? <laughs> okay, so well, I don't. You got to give the scholarship to somebody. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's something I'm interested to ask Scott about. If KU doesn't go out and add another point guard, if they can't give that scholarship to another, and they're just waving it like a ticket of hey, anybody, anybody wanted, it. it's free, it's free, like a couch on the side of the road, just take it. Nobody comes to take it. Who's the odds-on leader to be the starting point guard? Now, the, the, the options in-house, you've got, in terms of true point guards, there's probably only really two. And that would be Dewan Harris and Bobby Pettiford, the former Louisville commit. You could say Joe Yesifu, who's more of a combo guard, could be your point. Uh, that's about it, though. There's three guys. Of those three, if I were to say which one would you be willing to stake the most money on being the starting point guard, who do you pick? It's From a talent perspective, it's probably Yesifu. If you're talking about sheer upside, Pettiford. it's probably Pettiford. I was watching some tape on him, and I mean, he improved from a 29% three-point shooter his junior year to a 40%, and the stroke looks really yeah. good. Now... I think he'll be really good. It's just, what are you going to get your Athlete, one? Right. scoring at the rim. Yeah, I'm not sure how tight that handle is. It probably does limit your upside as a team by starting a freshman, a raw freshman like that as a point guard, but there will probably be some flashes where it's really exciting. Dewan Harris, we know what he can do as a point guard, but again, that probably limits your upside. Mm-hmm. 
Like, how good can a team be with him starting a point guard? And then Yesifu, he's the most talented of the bunch, but he's not much of a facilitator. He's more of a distributor, which means you're going to have to pick up the slack otherwhere, uh, otherwise, which I think puts pressure on the whole offense, which is to say everybody's got to move the ball well. We have to be a great passing team because we don't have one guy getting everybody else involved. Be really interesting to see how that plays out if Kansas isn't able to go out and add another name. We'll talk more about that with Scott Chasen, Fog.net, and 24-7 Sports. With Derek Johnson, I'm Nick Schwartz. You're listening to Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Support for Rock Chuck Sports Talk is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. If you've ever had to do a Google search of how to trim below the waist without nicking your junk, you've you've gone too far. Like you've, you've taken a wrong turn somewhere along the way. And, and maybe at some point you're like, I still don't get it. I've tried all the tips and I'm every time I end up with a scrape here, a nick there. And then you, you go to the Google image search or you go to YouTube. And that, once again, before you know it, you've gone way too far. There's no going back. Those images are seared into your brain forever. You don't have to worry about that with the lawnmower 4.0. All right, they sent one over. Gave it a shot. I go, wait wait a minute. So now this isn't a big deal. So now I can just do this in 30 seconds and not have to worry about hurting myself. I don't have to keep a tiny little tube of Neosporin by for whenever I'm done to clean up the mess. No, that's what the Lawnmower 4.0 does for you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code RCST. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So yesterday it was Dejon Terry, the defensive tackle. I think he was the guy who started playing football when he was like 17. You know, he's like the biggest human being I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he announced that he's transferring out uh, Valerian Agba. Uh, the only other player I think that I that I know of uh, from KU football that have announced they're transferring since Lance Leipold was announced as the new head coach. So only two so far, probably not enough to get concerned about, but let's talk more about it with Scott Chasen of Fog.net and 24-7 Sports. Scott, it's to be expected when you hire a new coach that some guys are going to transfer out. So far, it's just two. Um, what do you think the impact is of those two guys specifically, and what are your kind of expectations in the coming weeks as far as guys that you, not not specific guys, but maybe just uh, how many guys or, or what number would be the point where you'd say that's normal versus, okay, this is getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I, look, I think when Dejon Terry announced uh, he was transferring out and we saw his name in the transfer portal, I think yesterday afternoon or evening, it was, uh, I think that was actually the first moment of not necessarily being, you know, uncomfortable like you talked about, but uh, of raising some eyebrows maybe. And you're right. He was a guy who was late to football. He was huge, if you can believe it. Uh, he played basketball, and he didn't play center. He said he was a point guard. Um, this is a guy who came to Kansas Wait. at like 350 yards. No, hold on. I'll, I'll, let me let me give you this one, one more. He started playing football because someone like hit him with an ankle breaking crossover. And like that day he was like, I'm done playing basketball. I'm now going to play football. <laughs> Dude. He, wait, what did he, what was his listed weight when he got to Kansas? 
I think it, I think it was 320. It might have been more than that. It might have been like 360. But the thing is, I asked him about his game at some point, or someone did. I, I can't remember. This was probably two years ago. And he said he played like Dame Lillard. Okay. Like, this was not a guy, okay. um, at least according to him, who was uh, backing people down in the post as much as uh, spotting up and pulling up from 25 feet away. Do we have tape anywhere? Does it exist on DeJounte? Because now, I mean, he's not even at Kansas anymore, but now I'm just fascinated to see if, if there's any basketball film out there. Yeah, I, I doubt it. But his football film, pretty good, obviously, too. He moves around well for a big guy. Now, his stats are, are misleading because he played defensive tackle in a 3-4, so he's never going to get a bunch of tackles or anything. But uh, he's a guy who forced a few holding penalties. I think he had a couple of sacks. Uh, and he really impressed me when he could play because he's not an every-down guy just because he's so big. But uh, I think he was a, a corner piece of the defense. And, and if you were drafting or a cornerstone, uh, if you were drafting Kansas defenders, obviously, you know, guys like Karan Prunty or Marcus Harris, those guys would be really high. Um, but I'm not sure he wouldn't be a top five pick. You know, Kenny Logan, obviously, in that group, too. I'm not sure Dejan Terry wouldn't have been a top five pick in terms of guys you would want to keep uh, for the future, especially because uh, with, I believe, he redshirted year one and last year didn't count. He's got four more years of eligibility to go if he wants to use all of them. So uh, I think it is a loss. Valerian Agba, very fast guy, um, got a three-star ranking coming out of high school, but he never played. So I, I think that one makes a little bit more sense. I, I don't know how many more will go, but I think for Kansas, you're just hoping that you know they're in the category of Agba and guys who didn't really play looking for more opportunity as compared to guys like Terry who probably would have played a lot and you know bolstered that defense. I've, I've always thought of this, used this, theory when it comes to the NFL, but I think it applies here now, especially as college football looking more like the NFL with the freedom of, of movement rules, is that you can afford to lose good players, but you can't afford to lose leaders. Who who are the leaders on that Kansas defense that you feel like you just cannot afford to lose this upcoming year? Well, I think the good news is that a lot of the guys who you would classify as leaders are not necessarily the same guys who you would expect to move. And a good example would be like a Sam Burt, someone who, you know, he's in his bonus year of eligibility. He's not going anywhere. Nate Betts, kind of the same category. But when you talk about those kind of core pieces of a program that you would want to, to kind of mold and, and develop into those roles, I mean, it's guys like Marcus Harris, Kenny Logan, um, that are so important to a defense. You know, Stephen Parker isn't the most vocal uh, vocal guy. Um, but, you know, he, he's another one who would have the chance to develop into one of those pieces that you'd want to keep around. And, and, you know, there are a couple of really young players, freshmen, incoming guys, Jacoby Bryant, O.J. Burroughs, Jason Gilliam. Like, we don't know how these guys are going to pan out, and maybe it's a lot of projection, but you don't want to lose the most promising young players because those are the guys who typically do turn into leaders, especially when a new coach takes over. Um, and, you know, they're new at Kansas. He's He being Lance Leipold is new at Kansas. And they kind of get to grow together and implement culture together. Um, you know, I, I think those are the guys that you really have to focus on keeping around. It's okay if you lose, you know, a second-string linebacker or a guy who wasn't really playing. But uh, there, there's a pretty lengthy list of guys you wouldn't want to lose for both on-field reasons and what you just mentioned, the, the idea of leadership. Um, I'm not necessarily sure that Dejon Terry was uh, a huge talking leadership guy. I, d I don't know that he wasn't. Um, I, I just think he probably wasn't 
among the the top two or three kind of vocal names in that category. But there are definitely a few. I think Kenny Logan definitely being a big one that, you know, if you're Kansas, you really don't want to lose. When you look at guys leaving, I know it's there it's all individual decisions being made, but overall do you think it's more of a of a fit just in terms of personality with the coach? I didn't sign up to play for this guy versus scheme because you look at Brian Borland, I know um, he's had a lot of success across his career coaching for a long time with the 4-3 defense, whether it is specifically with Brian Borland or just generally speaking. Do you think it's more about the, the coach and the personality or more about the scheme that causes guys to want to leave? Yeah, you know, I would be surprised if it were the scheme just from the perspective of Kansas's 3-4 at times really did resemble a 4-3 just because it would have three linemen. The fourth linebacker would be a rush end. And sometimes, you know, guys dropped off or whatever. But uh, a lot of the time it almost did appear like they were playing with a four-man front, even though um, it was still a base 3-4. And and in the Big 12 it's different, too, because a lot of the times you're going to run like a 3-3 kind of deal with, more speed on the field, more defensive backs, and then you know taking someone off the line and making sure it's a linebacker so they can get out and cover. Um, I will say this specifically on Dejon Terry. You know he was a guy we talked to and asked, you know, what do you want to see in a coach? And he listed a bunch of stuff. And um, I don't have it all in front of me, but I asked him the follow up uh, and how does Emmett Jones fit those categories? And he said perfectly. And so uh, I think he was a guy who wanted to see Emmett Jones have the chance to kind of stick as head coach. Now. According to some of the most recent uh, reporting out there, I think done by Yahoo Sports, it seems like Emmett Jones has the chance to stick around. seems like Quan Drake, the defensive line coach, has a chance to stick around. So, you know, if indeed that is true, then it's hard to say, you know, a player on that defensive line would be in a better situation uh, in terms of feeling comfortable with the coaches around him. But, you know, at the same time, Dejon Terry is a guy from, uh, I believe, SEC country who really, really liked Les Miles. And I talked to him right after, uh, I believe, right when he was getting off the plane, uh, returning home from a visit to Lawrence, because I think I could hear the announcements and stuff, uh, thinking back to when I interviewed him. And, you know, again, that, that was a guy who really, really liked Les Miles, really, really liked, um, you know, or really, really had those uh, strong SEC kind of area ties. And, Now I'm curious to see where he ends up because I think there will be some big programs in on him. We're talking to Scott Chasen of Fog.net here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. No official word from KU yet. I know there's been reporting from Pete Thamel of uh, Yahoo and others that Lance Leipold going to bring his OC, his DC, and a handful of other staff members with him from Buffalo. Some of those, uh, in the case of his OC and DC, came with him from Wisconsin Whitewater as well. Also reporting that some pretty significant names uh, will be held over from the previous staff, such as Emmett Jones and Quan Drake. I, I don't know how specific we can get with some of these guys, but overall, with what it looks like this staff is shaping up to be, what are your just sort of general thoughts on on the staff that Leipold's assembling? Well, I think, it, look, it's a smart way to do it, um, if indeed he does bring over as many guys as it's you know, been reported, and, and that includes some in, like, analyst roles or, you know, kind of off-field support staff roles. And I, I think that stuff is important. You know, Matt Campbell brought over, I believe, eight assistants, uh, even though they weren't all in assistant roles, uh, from Toledo when he made, uh, you know, that jump to Iowa State. And, and anytime you go a step up in competition, I, I think comfort and familiarity, is, it's so important. You know, I I don't necessarily think this was a mistake David Beatty made. Um, Obviously, he wasn't a head coach before Kansas, so he wouldn't have had a staff to bring with him. But it always kind of felt like his staff was 
kind of just, uh, I don't know if ragtag is the right word, but like it was just like assembled kind of like randomly from places all over. And, you know, Les Miles' first staff wasn't really that way. But then over time, it, it seemed like each new assistant that was getting added was a different tie and a different connection. And it was, again, kind of just created a weird grouping. Whereas you saw like a, a pretty core group of guys stick from the beginning to the end. And I would argue those are some of Kansas's, you know, some of the best assistants that they've had in Chettis Jackson, Juan Drake, Emmett Jones. These are guys who were there from the very beginning who had that chance to kind of uh, continue on through the program. So um, from that perspective, I think it's a good thing. I think it would be good for players if there were four, five, six, seven holdovers or however many, um, even if, again, some of those are in off, you know, off-field support staff roles. It's just nice having those familiar faces around. And then I think for Lance Leipold, implementing his new culture, if he has people he can trust, if he has people who understand how he wants to work uh, and who can teach the way um, that he wants things taught, then I think, you know, that's only going to make the transition easier for a coach coming in at a really, really tough time. I've asked a few guests this, and I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's it's the one thing that stuck out to me the most about the press conference in which we were introduced to Lance Leipold for the first time. And I think that the winning the press conference stuff is is overblown, and we make fun of it, but uh, whether it was Les Miles or David Beatty or Charlie Weiss or Turner Gill, each of the last four hires, Scott, they came to that press conference and vocally, not about what you do in behind closed doors, because we know behind closed doors, everybody's putting an emphasis on recruiting. But vocally, all four of those guys wanted to, to let fans know how much of an emphasis they were going to put on recruiting and how good of a job they were going to do assembling strong classes at KU. There was virtually none of that from Leipold. And I'm not here to allege that, oh, he doesn't care about recruiting. But what does it tell you that a coach who clearly has a lot of experience in this regard of turning around programs didn't come out and publicize just how hard they're going to be pounding the pavement on the recruiting trail. Well, I think for starters, that's something he's going to have to figure out because the way he recruited at Buffalo was so different. Um, You know, at Buffalo, one of the best compliments you can get is when bigger programs steal your players around signing day, which happened to him, by the way, after his first year, I believe he lost five players in like a 20 something person class to uh, you know, power five programs. And he was flying all over the country. You know, like you mentioned, even if he didn't talk about it, he obviously prioritized it, um, you know, flying state to state, going far and wide, basically to, to build his classes in an area that isn't necessarily a hotbed of talent. Now, I think to win at Kansas, you have to recruit at a high level. Um, there's mountains and mountains of data that show, well, Recruiting rankings aren't always 100% accurate. They're, all, they're you know, pretty uh, – it, it follows a pretty linear trend in terms of how high you're ranked and how good you turn out uh, to be in, you know, college and even at the, le- the next level beyond that, especially with the NFL draft. But to your point, I mean, his message was about – it was not boring per se. I guess it was maybe a little just because, you know, he talked about continuity. He talked about culture. He talked about – setting expectations and being reasonable and being professional. And, you know, to me, other Kansas coaches have come into their press conferences almost with a gimmick of sorts. And I went back and actually watched David Beatty's just because it popped up on my suggested videos on YouTube. And I I was like, yeah, I have 30 minutes to kill. Let's watch this. (laughs) And, you know, watching it, I, I couldn't help but think like, 
David Beatty's press conference sounded so much like a job interview from the perspective of he was selling so hard what I can do. And Les Miles, I mean, that was a spectacle. And again, I think Les Miles has his place in Kansas football history. I think he advanced the, the roster. I think he brought in young talent. Uh, I think he pushed the rebuild forward, not backward. So those things are good. But it was the Les Miles uh, spectacle. And it was, I'm wearing my championship ring and X, Y, and Z. And Someone asked a funny question about how do you know this isn't just a stepping stone job for a young coach, you know, kind of joking with him. And it it was, you know, it was all about Les Miles. This felt like a conversation about football philosophy. You know, this this felt like, hey, I'm going to talk to a ball coach who knows football and, you know, I just want to get his thoughts on some interesting things. And, you know, to me, Lance Leipold felt very secure in himself. He didn't uh, come off like he had something to prove, although I think he – um, acts and coaches like he does, which is a good thing. But I, I, you know, it wasn't like he was trying to impress anyone. It was just like he was trying to be earnest and give insight into some of the core principles and values he believed in. So from that perspective, it was a very different press conference than the ones I've been at. But at the same time, I actually thought uh, it was pretty revealing just in terms of how he wants to approach the job and maybe how secure he is and comfortable he is with himself. We got Scott Jason for just another minute or two here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Scott, I know you guys came up with your 24-7 sports final player rankings for the 2021 basketball class. KU came in at the top 10, which is, is maybe surprising not because it's a bad-looking class on the surface, but because you don't have uh, any of that top-tier blue-chip talent in the class. How would you characterize the 2021 recruiting class knowing that there's still another scholarship available? I mean, right now, I would classify it as transfer portal dependent because it's the type of class that if you have a win-now roster, which I think Kansas does going into next year, uh, it's probably an ideal type of class. There aren't too many guys who are going to come in, um, you know, excluding obviously the transfer side of things and immediately demand 20, 25 minutes of playing time, which is hard to do for any freshman. I mean, I think Bryce Thompson found that out last year, even though, you know, obviously injuries contributed to that. So I think it has a lot of guys that you look at and say, you know, year two, year three, especially year four, like that could have some very special talent and and maybe even sooner than that. Maybe guys like Zach Clements and KJ Adams are going to be able to, you know, Bobby Pettiford, maybe those guys could get on the court earlier than you think. I don't know. But again, you know, things are so different right now just in terms of uh, even if there isn't that kind of immediate eligibility waiver, I guess we don't really know um, what things will look like and how they'll move forward next year. So if things return to sort of a, a stabilized, normal sense in college athletics, then I think it's a great class for Kansas because I think it's a class that will help. Um, you know, especially if there are, you know, sanctions or something that comes down from the NCAA that makes it harder to add players in future classes. Having those guys on campus and familiar with Bill Self, I think that eases the transition into not this coming season, but the season after that. And I think it does have some foundational pieces. You know, Bobby Pettiford is a guy I looked at that he does have a lot of the same characteristics of a Devon Dotson, but you also see why he's not. Um, you know, a five-star recruit, why he has room to grow, where uh, he can get better, whether it's shooting, whether it's playing a little bit more under control. But those are things that come in time with coaching. And I think it has a lot of the types of players that you normally see at Kansas 
develop over two and three years and then become, you know, very, very good and lead a team. So uh, I think it's got a lot of good pieces to it. It doesn't have an elite talent. Uh, like you mentioned, of course, that could change. Uh, but, you know, at, at the same time, I think it has what Kansas needs, which is some pieces to uh, really help out the team and really carry it. Probably not this next season, but maybe moving after that. If the season started today, who would be the starting point guard? That's a great question. You know, I've, I've really thought if they could get a guard next to play next to uh, – Joe Yesifu, then I think Bill Self would feel a lot more comfortable starting him at the one. But, you know, it's it's a little uncomfortable right now, and, and I could see Bill Self going with what he trusts in Dewan Harris. If no pieces are being added, which I think is the point of your question, um, wouldn't shock me, actually, to see both of them start together. But I would still probably lean Joe Yesifu just getting a chance in that first game. But, I mean, Nick, we both know Bill Self. We know familiarity wins out a lot yeah. of the time with Bill Self. So uh, I guess it wouldn't shock me if it were DeJuan Harris either. Okay, then, then let me, let me let, I'll, let, I'll let you leave on this question then. Who, is the, who would be the favorite to start a point guard? Would it be DeJuan Harris, Joe Yesifu, Bobby Pettiford, or player to be named at a later date? That's such a good question. Uh, I don't – I here's the thing. I mean, unless it's, you know, a Ty Ty Washington, I say a Ty Ty Washington, like there are a bunch of them out there. Um, I, I don't think player to be named later has a great shot at the starting position. So I, I would probably lean one of the two guys um, that we just talked about, meaning Yesifu or Harris. But, you know, again, I, I guess if Kansas were to add another transfer guard, which I do think – is still a goal at this point, or at least another guard, you could really see some shuffling, especially, you know, if Christian Brown is comfortable with a bench role or, you know, if a guy like Ochai Abaji goes pro. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd still probably have my money on in order. Yes, it's followed by Harris, but um, player to be named later could be intriguing, I suppose, depending, uh, I guess, on who that player ends up being. All right, there you have it. Still a lot to follow in this offseason for both KU football and KU basketball. Scott Chasen's got you covered over at fog.net, 247sports.com. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me. Quick shout-out to all of our sponsors, RCST Trivia, 23rd Street Brewery, Sporting Kansas City, Pella Windows, Toppling Goliath, CBD of Lawrence, River Rat, Print and Skate, Jayhawk Trophy, Hawaiian Bros, and the Lawrence Public Library. Our first matchup today brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Open for dine-in, carry-out, and catering. Outdoor patio is a great spot to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self mac and cheese, the Haney turkey stack, or any of the great menu items. And don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go as well with their crowlers. All right, this is the last day of sizzling 16 matchups for RCST Trivia. We got two matchups to get to today, both of which are coming from the East Region. After that, the field is set for the Grade 8, which will begin next week on RCST Trivia. And for everybody who wins today, everybody who makes it to the Grade 8, you get an RCST hat from River Rat Print and Skate, an Adidas hat, which I am rocking today to show off for our contestants on the Zoom. $40 to Hawaiian Bros, $25 to 23rd Street Brewery, and of course, most importantly, automatic entry into RCST Trivia next year. Let's get to the first of our matchups today. From the East Region, it is the 4 Nine matchup between Chris and Tyler. They are a combined 17 and one all time in RCST trivia questions. Chris was in it a year ago. He went seven and one, four and zero oh so far this year. Chris, you haven't really had to answer that many questions 
to get to the sizzle in 16. Are you ready to show us what you got? Are you ready to take us deep into a matchup today? I certainly hope so. Um, Tyler, hope you can give me more challenge than my last two opponents. Woo! Okay, spicy. Chris is ready to go. Well, you know, maybe that's maybe that's good thing, right? Maybe you've you've got to rest and sort of uh, save some knowledge back in the reserves here for when it matters the most. That's what I've been hoping. All right, there we go. Well, Tyler is in his first RCST trivia experience. Well, not really anymore. This is his first year. He was not in the competition a year ago. He told us last week he regretted it. He was His life was filled with regret all offseason because he didn't compete a year ago, but that has fueled him 6-0 and through two rounds. Tyler, you're a man on a mission. What's the goal today? Uh, the goal today is to go deep. I want to answer several questions. Hopefully, I at least give Chris a run for his money. So I'm I'm hungry. I'm ready to win. I'm ready to go. I'm steadied up. So let's let's get to it. I know. See, I I, I get to learn the inner workings of of the method behind some of your guys's preparation, and I know for a fact both you guys are prepared. Both you guys been doing your homework. So I think. We're going to be in store for a really, really fun showdown here in the Sizzling 16. All right, Chris, Tyler, you guys know how it works by now. The matchup is going to be exactly the same as it was a week ago in terms of formatting. Still ask you guys a series of KU questions. The questions will get progressively difficult. Still just four difficulty tiers of questions. 30 seconds to answer. The clock starts as soon as I get done asking the question. And we'll play you a five-second warning. When you hear this ticking sound, that means you have five seconds left on the clock. Make sure you get an answer off. We've had a few people not saying anything because they're stumped. They're blanking. They don't have any idea. Just throw something out there. Who knows? A shot in the dark may be all it takes to get it right. Okay, Chris, Tyler, let's do it. Tyler, you are the nine seed underdog yet again. I believe this is your uh, third straight matchup being an underdog. So you've always got this choice, but you get it once again. What's it going to be? You want to answer first or second? Second. Okay. Chris, first question is for you. Chris, this KU guard played from 2006 to 2008 for the Jayhawks. He left for the NBA after his junior season. He ended second all-time at KU in career, career steals with 283 of them. What's his name? Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers is correct. All right, first question for you now, Tyler. Third on that steals list was a guard who played for both Roy Williams and Bill Self between 2002 and 2005. His last name is a distant distance of measurement. What's his name? Aaron Miles. Yeah, that was a, a I mean, what else could that? There was no, there's no Ben Inches, you know? There's no Greg Millimeters. Jeff Centimeters is my favorite player. What okay, are you talking okay, about? okay. Back to you now, Chris, for your second question. Chris, what guard led KU in scoring in the 2012 National Championship loss to Kentucky? Tyshawn Taylor. Tyshawn Taylor is correct. He had 19 points in that loss to Kentucky back in 2012. All right, back to you now, Tyler. Tyler, what Jayhawks set the Kansas record for most threes in a game without a miss when he went 8-for-8 eight eight 
against Vermont on November 12th of 2018, but yet he didn't even finish the season with KU. LeGerald Vick. LeGerald Vick, that's right. A member of the all-doghouse team, the all-bill-self-doghouse team, I believe. Well, I believe we, we slotted him in as team captain when we, uh, when we compiled that list a few weeks ago. All right, great job, fellas. Two for two, but this was just a warm-up. You guys both said you wanted to take it deep. That's exactly what we're doing here. Chris and Tyler going at it here for a shot in the grade eight. It's the 4-9 matchup in the East region. Question number three now. We go back to you, Chris. What KU big man led the team in scoring in 1999? Eric Chenoweth. Eric Chenoweth is correct. You know, there was a really interesting rumor about Eric Chenoweth that between... Yeah, between his... uh, Between, I think it was his freshman and sophomore, his sophomore and junior year, he... He followed the Dave Matthews band. We should have made that a trivia question. Which band did Eric Chenoweth spend the offseason following around on tour? And then he came back the next year. He was like objectively worse than he was the year before. Okay, correct. Tyler, question number three for you. What KU big man from 1992 to 1995 recorded 258 career blocks, which ranks second on the school's all-time blocks list. Greg Ostertag. The big O. The big O. Greg Ostertag is correct. Okay, this, this right here, this is the first time we've went three for three. It's the first time we've gotten to the very hard tier of questions in the Sizzling 16. I don't know how. We did it in the second round. We did it in the first round. I don't know how. Maybe the questions are harder. Maybe nerves are playing a factor. Not for these guys. Not for these guys. All right, guys, this is where it gets really tough. If anybody answers this correctly, you're automatically getting the RCST hat. RCST trivia hat if you answer any of these questions right. You don't get a a new hat for every question you get right, though, so don't get greedy. Okay, Chris, back to you. In 1962, KU played in what was later called the Game of the Decade. It featured four overtimes and a buzzer-beating, game-winning shot by KU player Jay Roberts. Who did that game come against? Uh, Missouri. It's a good guess. Kansas State. Honestly, yeah, that was, that was going to be my other guess. If it's so. 1962, game of the decade, I mean, you guess Missouri, K-State probably going to give yourself a shot there. Okay. Tyler, you get this right. You're moving on. Tyler, in 1964, Kansas played a team who was on an 84-game home winning streak, and they beat them. Who was it? 84-game Kentucky. Good guess. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. That was a bad KU team, too. I believe that team, like, barely finished. It was a Dick Harp team. I want to say they finished, like, 13 and 12. I like how I say that. Like, I think so. Like, I think that's what I remember. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. It's okay, guys. It's okay. 
You both got it wrong. You're both still alive here. Chris, Tyler, duking it out for a shot in the grade eight. We've got a barn burner here on our CST trivia. We're going to take it back. I want, I want you guys to get back on, on the right track with a, with a correct answer here. Chris, we go back to you now. Chris, what KU player led the team with 15 points in their 85-51 to second-round loss to USC just this past March? Was it Dave? It was Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett led the team with 15 points. See, I... It's it's weird. Everybody does their homework going back and yeah, reviewing all this stuff from the past. You forget about the thing right there in the rearview mirror. Like hiding under the bed. Yeah, right in front of your nose. Okay. All right, Tyler. You got a chance right here, Tyler. If you can answer this correctly, you're moving on to the grade eight. Tyler, what KU player led the team with 23 points in their 93-84 to first-round win against Eastern Washington this past March. David McCormick. The correct answer was Marcus Garrett. Marcus Garrett again. You guys both guessed Dave. It was Marcus in both games. Dang it. I read the article about Dave coming back and performing well. I thought it was him. Okay. Wow. That was tense. That was really tense. I thought he was going to go, oh, of course. Trick question. He just said it. Nope. Okay. Here we go, boys. Anybody want this? Anybody want this win? Let's go. Chris, we go back to you now. Chris, eight KU players all time have ended their career with a free throw shooting percentage at 80% or higher with a minimum of 150 attempts. Three of those eight players were coached by Bill Self. Name one of those three Bill Self players with an 80% or higher career free throw percentage. Wayne Simeon? Those three players were Devon Dotson, Sharon Collins, and Tyrell Reed. Devon Dotson, Sharon Collins, and Tyrell Reed. All right, Tyler. You had it. You had a kill shot in the last round. You missed, but that's okay. You've got another one. A shot at redemption round here. If you answer this right, Tyler, you're moving on. You wanted to answer second. You wanted to answer second. You wanted this opportunity right here. Tyler. We just said eight KU players all time have a career free throw percentage of 80% or higher. Three of them were coached by Bill Self. Three more of those players were coached by Roy Williams. Name one of them. Hmm. Jeff Boshi. Oh, my gosh. Those three players, Tyler, Kirk Heinrich, Rex Walters, and Ryan Robertson. Everybody take a deep breath. 
Everybody take a deep breath. That's a little surprising, isn't it? It's a little surprising not to see Jeff Boshi on that list. Career free throw percentage of 78%. Right there. Probably the first one that comes to mind. It's probably what I would have guessed, too. I think that's what Chris would have guessed. I saw him put his head head between his hands. Two seconds flat. He goes, duh. Nope. Wow. Okay, guys. Chris and Tyler have, uh, no, no offense, have answered, I mean, just statistically correct, have answered six consecutive questions incorrectly, okay? It's okay, though. It's okay. Because you, you guys are here. This is it. Sizzling 16 matchup in the East region of RCST Trivia. We go back to you now, Chris. With 20 rebounds against Texas A&M, on January 14th of 1998, this KU big man owns the KU freshman record for most rebounds in a game. Nineteen ninety-eight? Yes. Chenoweth? Correct. Eric Chenoweth, twenty rebounds against Texas A&M in nineteen ninety-eight. All right, Tyler, back to you now. Tyler, what freshman big man led Kansas in blocks per game in 2004? David Padgett. That is correct. David Padgett is correct. Side note, Derek, we're going to run out of questions. Marathon! I'm going to run out of questions here. Okay, we're going back to the very hard tier. Going back to the very hard tier. Chris, back to you now. In 2003-2004, Bill Self won 24 games in his first season as the KU head coach. That tied the KU record for most wins by a coach in his first season. Who was the other coach with 24 wins in his first year as KU head coach? Larry Brown. Dick Harp. Dick Harp is the correct answer. Tyler, you get this right, and you're moving on to the next round. Tyler, Fog Allen had two stints as the head coach of Kansas. Who was the head coach from 1909 to 1919 in between Fog Allen's two stints? W.O. Hamilton. Wow. 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 For the kill. My goodness. That was an absolute rock fight, a slugfest. Tyler, you said W.O. Hamilton with authority. Like you have been waiting your whole life to answer a question about W.O. Hamilton. I'm not sure how many people would have recalled that one. How was that so quick for you? I, I studied it. That's a hell of a first name, like W-O. That, it's just a very memorable name. I was studying when who coached when, and I noticed that uh, Fayon, like, yeah, he had a weird gap. I'm not sure what was going on, but I noticed that, and I never heard of him, and I was like, I got to remember that guy's name. And You did. Came up clutch. You, you let out a fist pump there. Clearly a lot of emotions to get that win in what was one of the most hotly contested matchups we've had so far. How did that feel? 
How did it feel to get that win? And how do you feel now that you're moving on to the next round? It feels very satisfying. <laughs> I mean, wow. I need a drink of water. I'm tired. Uh, I had three chances and missed. Um, but Chris and I's questions were tough. And uh, it feels relieving to be 0 for 3 in kills, kill shots and then yep. to get another chance and finally come through. You got the last one. That's all that matters. Chris, uh, that's a tough one. You got to be exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally. That was uh, that was quite a battle. And to come out on the wrong end, that's got to be uh, pretty gutting. How are you feeling, Chris? Um, feeling a little shaken up. I should have had that last one. Uh, I knew Wilt was on the team, so it should have been the most wins then. But I thought with more games played than Larry was the coach, he might have had that record. What, what, what do you what do you kind of think about the way this whole thing went, man? That was uh, as long of a matchup, I think, as we've had all year. You guys went through. I don't know what the official count has it at, Derek, but I want to say it was double digits. Yeah, what was that? What's that? Eight rounds. 16 eight, questions. Yeah, yeah, 16 rounds. Eight, eight, 16 questions, eight rounds. That's the longest matchup we've had all year, maybe of all time. You were a part of it. I mean, what, what did that whole thing feel like for you? Um, sorry to be on the losing end of it, but honored to be in the same breath as Tyler. Wow. And can't wait to go on social media and subtweet you, Nick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Don't tag me. Don't tag me. Just make sure you subtweet me and, and let me know, let everybody know how much I screwed you over. I, I wish we could send both you guys on to the uh, to the grade eight, but that was a hell of a matchup. You guys both fought admirably. Tyler, we'll see you in the next round. Chris, great job. Hope to see you next year. Thanks for getting us started off the right way today, fellas. Absolutely. Yeah, great, see you. great job, Chris. Thanks. Good luck. RCST Trivia brought to you by Toppling Goliath with a brewery and tap room located in Decorah, Iowa. Toppling Goliath features 10 of the top 250 beers in the world, according to Beer Advocate. That also includes three of the top 10, three of the top 10 world beers and six of the top 100. If you're not going to be making it up to Decorah anytime soon, don't worry. You can order Toppling Goliath apparel and beer at tgbrews.com. RCSD Trivia is brought to you by Pella Windows. Pella Product of Kansas is your one-stop shop for all your window and door needs. Pella offers everything from turnkey window and door replacements to experts in the field that can work with your contractor and find the perfect solution for that project to make your house feel like a home. Whether you're building a home, taking on a remodeling project, or simply want the best replacement solution, Pella Windows has all your answers. Stop by the newly remodeled showroom on the northwest corner of 6th and Wakarusa or call 785 749 Four eight zero eight. Don't hesitate. Appointments are filling up fast. Last matchup of the sizzling sixteen, and this is one that's pretty highly anticipated. Maybe not because uh, people view these guys as the two strongest competitors. They might be. Maybe they'll they have the chance to prove that today. But because uh, the most animosity, despite the fact that um, probably a closer bond between any two competitors that we've had so far in our CST trivia. Kyle and Andrew have been talking about this matchup for two rounds. They made it happen by advancing to the sizzling 16. Now, one of them securing the final spot in the grade eight and the other one going home. Last week, I tried to start a blood feud when Andrew was on. I said, you're taking on Kyle. Let's get a few going. He said, I don't know about that. Kyle took matters into his own hands. I believe he was the instigator on social media. It's been very entertaining watch you guys going back and forth. Has that built up? The anticipation, Andrew, I know you weren't really trying to start anything, but here it is. I, I mean, I, I suppose so. I'm a, 
I, I'm excited about this. And to be honest with you, if, if I lose to Kyle, I'm not even going to be that upset about it. I think this is just, it's strengthened our bond okay. through this. That's so. good. He did share a picture of you last night, uh, I believe, with the, was that an eyebrow piercing? Do you yeah, have, we don't, care to we comment don't on that? We about my college years. <laughs> okay. He's no commenting. He's no commenting on the brow piercing. There was a, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. <laughs> that's, that's all. <laughs> well, Kyle, you a couple nights ago shared a, a, a very large stack of, of note cards, yet, uh, interestingly enough, you did not share what was on those note cards, and there are rumors circulating that that was a, a bluff to scare Andrew, that those note cards were completely blank and you have not been doing your research. Uh, there, there are 196 note cards. They have uh, information on both sides, and Filer spent most of the time at my house last night reading through them. Oh, so, okay. Was yeah, he uh, so he made he the trip to your house to to steal your notes essentially? Yeah, basically. So what he what what he probably assumed but needs to know is that um, the stuff that I know I know is not on those note cards. So as long as we hit that stuff today, <laughs> we're fine. He actually uh, wrote all wrong answers on those note cards just yeah, to throw me off. Throw you off this the scent. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the teacher leaving the fake test on her desk to see if anybody comes and steals it. Well, we'll see. We've been waiting all week for this one, guys. I'm excited to see you guys go head-to-head here and what's making for a great storyline. Will it make for a great matchup? You guys know how this is going to work now, okay? Four levels of questioning. They're going to get more progressively difficult as you answer them correct. We'll go back and forth until we get our winner. You have 30 seconds to answer. We'll give you a five-second warning when you hear this sound. That means you have five seconds left on the clock. Just make sure you get an answer off. Don't say nothing. Otherwise, you've got no chance of getting it right. Andrew, Kyle... Let's do it. Last matchup of the sizzling 16, Andrew as the seven seed. Do you want to answer first or second? I'm going to keep the ball rolling with what I've been doing, so I'll go first. Okay. First questions for you then, Andrew. This freshman forward led KU in steals per game in 2017 and would go on to be a top five pick for the Phoenix Suns after his first and only year in college. What's his name? Uh, Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson is correct. Kyle, first question. This freshman guard led KU in steals per game in 2019, as well as 2020, before he left to go pro after his sophomore season. What's his name? Devon Dotson. That is correct. Good start, fellas. Andrew, we go back to you now for your second question. The Big Eight. Assists leader, played for KU from 1994 to 1997. He has his jersey hanging in the Allen Fieldhouse rafters. Who is it? Jock Vaughn. That is correct. Kyle, back to you for your second question now. Kyle, this KU record has stood for over 20 years. Seven three-point makes in the first half by one player. It came against Kansas State. On March 9th of 2000, by what sharpshooter? Jeff Boshi. Jeff Boshi is correct. Okay, that was easy. These guys didn't even have to break a sweat, so we're done with those. They've been doing their homework. We know they got the note cards. Andrew's sneaking into the dead of night to try and steal the answers. Round three here, last matchup of the sizzling 16 in the East region. Andrew, we're going back to you now for your third question. The most points ever scored by a KU freshman in his debut was 27. 
by this Bill Self player. Xavier Henry. That is correct. Xavier Henry, 27 points against Hofstra. I would have guessed Josh Shelby before I did research on this. Because of the USC yeah. game. Yeah, I think he had like 23. But yeah, Xavier hit a bunch of threes against Hofstra. Didn't hit the game winner, though, like, like uh, Selby did. Okay, Kyle, back to you. Kyle, what KU player led the team with 16 points in their 2010 Second round loss to Northern Iowa. Sean Collins. Kyle, the correct answer, Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris with 16 points in that 2010 loss to Northern Iowa. Everybody remembers, if I asked you who made, who made the game-winning shot, everybody would know, Ali Farouk Manesh. But lost in the shuffle, those losses are the guys who perform well because you just never think about it again. Kyle, I see the frustration on your face. Tell me how you're feeling right now. Uh, Not great. This is the same round I lost in last year uh, to, to Isaac. So, uh yeah, I looked at that, I think, last night, too. Um, but, man, yeah, that's uh, – uh, yeah, Henry, I was hoping Filer would miss it. I, I nodded as soon as he said it. But, yeah, yeah, it's good. What uh, – you know, you, you, you said you had, I think, 196 note cards. Would that, was that one on one of the note cards? No, not, none of the, like, game stat stuff. Like, I, I looked at that kind of one-by-one on box scores, uh, but nothing on the note cards for that one but too many games to year. yeah too many games to remember them all you said you lost in this round to isaac last year um how does that compare to losing to your buddy andrew this time around um you know i, I i'm i'm probably less frustrated because with with isaac uh, i had a chance to take him out you know he missed that question against me and uh and then i had a 50 50 and i and i kind of went the wrong way and he got me in like six rounds so uh, you know, just missing something like that. Yeah. I'm not sure I knew that, you know? Yeah. Well, what about, what about for you, Andrew? I mean, you hear the dejection in your friend's voice, so <laughs> it's gotta be a double-edged sword. You're moving on yet you hurt your friend's feelings and that's not very cool. I mean, it's, it's, I, I mean, I would have missed that question too. I probably would have said Cole Alders to be honest with you. So I, I would have missed that too, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm excited. I'm moving on, but I, I don't know. A lot of emotions going on right now. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell, man. Um, how'd you pull out this Xavier Henry one? That's that's a. I think that's one a lot of people. I actually look. think that I was. I don't know if it was Kyle and I talking about it. I talked about it with somebody because I said Josh Selby when someone we talked about that. And I know I said Josh Selby, and then I immediately went to Josh. I almost said Josh Selby again. It's like, wait a second, hold on, hold on, hold on. So that was. Yeah, that was – it was one of those two, and I went the right way. What are you going to do now to honor Kyle throughout your rest of – He's going to have run? to help me out with the rest of this uh, studying, and then I'll give him 
some of my winnings. He can have my gift cards somewhere. <laughs> okay. The CBD gift card is yours, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's right. It's what it's all about. The selflessness on display here in RCST trivia. Guys, thank you so much. It was an exciting matchup. I know a lot of people were looking forward to it. Kyle, great job. Andrew, same to you. We'll see you in the next round. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have you still not heard MLS is back and Sporting Kansas City is back in action? After finishing first in the Western Conference last season, Sporting KC is back in action and hungrier than ever to paint the wall. The best part is you can watch Polito, Russell, Busio, and the rest of our boys in Sporting Blue live in a limited capacity crowd again this season. To attend a match in person, go to SeatGeek.com SKC and be sure to use code SKC. RCST at checkout to receive an exclusive discount just for being a Rock Chalk Sports Talk listener. Again, use code SKCRCST at SeatGeek.com slash SKC before it's too late.